favorite time of year is right around the corner as the college football season is set to start. To celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 or more on any college football game. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. My name is Ryan Stacy, and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is powered by Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, you can visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today I'm joined by Ian Anderson, former NHL and AHL video coach. Ian brings a humble demeanor to the podcast and has some unique experiences to offer having coached all over the world. For those looking to understand the video role while also being introduced to the nature of the position outside of the rink, this is the episode for you. With that, here's Ian Anderson, former NHL and AHL video coach. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Ian Anderson, former NHL and AHL video coach. Ian, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. It's uh, nice to uh, get to talk to you instead of just uh, sending messages back and forth, Ryan. Yeah, for sure. I, I think, uh, you know, LinkedIn is a great tool, but it always it doesn't do the justice of a, of a good conversation. And, um, you know, from your experience, I, I think we have a lot to learn here. And uh, then again, with the connection to uh, St. John's, it seems like everybody is at some point kind of stopped in or, you know, even just for a vacation at times. So um, interesting to hear about that and some of the other things in your career, for sure. Absolutely. I, I love my time there. I uh, often often wish I could get back. Yeah, for sure. It's it's a great place. But anyways, we will move into uh, some of your different positions as we go and some of the places you've been. But first and foremost, let's learn a little bit more about you. Maybe talk about your upbringing, playing sports in your early years and just provide some more background uh, for our listeners. Absolutely. Absolutely. I grew up in Portland, Oregon. Um, not exactly a, a hockey hotbed uh, when I was growing up, but um, a couple of couple of rinks there now. And my father was a sports writer. Um, so we were always, you know, watching sports and um, always kind of engaged. And I had an older brother that had played a little bit of hockey. So I, I fell in love with hockey and being a goaltender uh, at a really young age. I was, probably didn't start playing until I was 10 or 11, uh, which for a lot of Canadians is past their, past their window, I probably. But um, yeah, so I just I started playing out there and kind of grew up and kept um you know, trying to play at whatever level I, I could and get better. Um, ended up playing at a small uh, Division three college, uh, NCAA college in Minnesota. Um, and that was kind of what started this whole process and adventure um, uh, for me, yeah. Yeah, no, it's interesting to hear um, the impact that hockey and, and you, like you said, 11, 12 years old, a little bit late uh, in Canadian yeah. terms, but it, it's still definitely doable and you're able to play at the D3 level and 
Um, eventually you kind of transition into the hockey operations and coaching side. And the first position I want to talk about for you is your start in hockey operations at the university of Notre Dame. Uh, maybe just talk about the, the process of, of transitioning over to that side of the game and then just your experience there. Yeah, it was, um, it was a, an, an eye-opening experience for sure. Especially, you know, all my experience had been at the division three level and then to go see a, a division one an NCAA division one team, how they operated, um, was was a lot of fun. I had a little bit of exposure and that was kind of how I got introduced to some of those guys down there. Um, in the summers when I was at school, um, I would go work their summer camp. Um, so I would go down there and uh, work for three or four weeks as a camp counselor and help out wherever I could and chaperone kids from activity to activity. Um, got to know a lot of their players. Um, but, but for me, that was, uh, um, that, that first position was great to, to see all of the, the work and energy that, that go into well-run teams. I mean, major junior teams, or, you know, with the amount of staff that they have and the amount of preparation that the coaching staff goes through and the, the importance of every detail and um, from, from how great the equipment staffs are at making sure that, you know, everything gets taken care of and how easy life is for the players. Um, and all, you know, all the things that are taken care of. So that was uh, very eye-opening, but a great opportunity for me. I think I was the first person in that position at Notre Dame, at the University of Notre Dame. Um, and they, uh, so they needed needed somebody, but then a big part of it was, was they were um, buying a new video system and they needed somebody really to, to run that and to learn that. So for me, it was perfect timing um, to be able to come in and, get trained on how to use, um, we were using Exos um, at the time. Um, uh, and so, yeah, so for me, it was a, a kind of a perfect storm of, of being available and having some good connections from my camp days um, and then being able to, to get in and, and learn the video, um, which really was the, the impetus for the rest of my time in pro sports. Um, just interesting sometimes how you kind of find yourself in a position, you know, the working at the hockey camps and, uh, you know, a lot of times that is the entry to some of these programs, but right place, right time, right connection. And you're able to come into a role that was just looking for someone to do the video and, and kind of uh, build a specialty in, in that area and have the room to kind of make it your own as well. And soon after uh, your time in Notre Dame, you would then transition to director of hockey operations with Michigan State. Uh, maybe just talk about again how that uh, transition went, and then the different dynamic associated uh, with that program. Yeah, I think um, uh, it, that was a really neat opportunity for me. Um, I um, just through exposure again, um, you know, the, the work that I did at Notre Dame, and we would play Michigan State, and you know, in conference. Um, so again, kind of yeah, that network um, guys had seen the work that I had done, and um, knew me a little bit. And again, uh, a great opportunity was really interesting. Uh, that transition was fun, um, for me because, you know, uh, when I was at Notre Dame, um, they weren't as high profile a team as they are now. Um, and, uh, to go to Michigan state at that time, which, which was uh, a powerhouse, uh, at that time. I mean, obviously they're still a, a a very reputable program 
Um, but it, for me, it was fun to go and have a little bigger budget and have a little nicer facilities. And, um, you know, no, Notre Dame has, has, has caught up since then for sure. Um, but yeah. Uh, and then the, the role even expanded a little more, um, even more scouting, you know, more video work. Um, and where the video role, uh, blew up, we had a little more support for some of the, the other, uh, pro uh, camps and, and things like that. So, um, a fun transition and a fun, um, got some great teams there too. So, um, yeah, no, it's awesome that you're able to go into a, a new program there and, uh, you know, at the college level, definitely, uh, early on, you can, you can see the difference in some of the programs or budgets and, and all these different things. So being able to, to maybe take a step up, it, uh, it definitely changes that dynamic there for sure. I, you know, I, I, I've been very, very lucky to, to work with some guys, um, you know, that I've been, been remiss to like, but, um, Andy Slager and Notre Dame, he is, a has, has been an assistant coach there. He was an assistant coach there when I started, uh, I think, you know, and I still involved with their program, but guys like that, that, you know, some, some great people to learn from along the way. So, um, you know, and uh, Brian Renfrew at Michigan state and yeah, there's a, a, a ton of been super lucky with the, the staffs that I've worked with. So, yeah, definitely. And then, you know, as you go along, you pick up things from the staff and, uh, then again, with your, especially in the video, uh, very quickly progressing. And actually the next uh, position that you would join is, is with the Minnesota wild, you know, a, a pretty big jump there to the NHL, uh, maybe walk the listeners through the, the process of joining the wild. And then, uh, just your initial thoughts of being able to coach at the NHL level. Um, yeah, it was a, a huge honor, um, to, to get that call. Um, I, uh, had, because I'd gone to school in, in Minnesota, I had, uh, I, whenever I would go back, I would, the, the video company was great um, at helping connect me to other users. Um, and so whenever I would go back to Minnesota, I, I'd uh, always kind of touch base with them uh, because obviously if, you know, if I, uh, if I could pick any team that at that time would have been the, you know, the best spot I just graduated from school there and, um, and loved it. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, to, to get a call, um, it was a pretty short list. The, the gentleman that was the video coach before me had, had moved on to a scouting position in Washington and, you know, to, to get a call, um, to, to ask if you want to come up and have a conversation with Doug Risebrow and Jacques Lemaire, uh, and see if, see if you get along with them well enough to, to come work with them was, was a, a an honor for sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was uh, a, a quick transition. And um, again, another kind of interesting part of my career where the um, all of those other things that I had done in that hockey operations role went away um, with the, the demands, you know, as many games as you play in the NHL, um, my, my work really changed from a lot of operations stuff, um, you know, the logistics and budgets and planning um, and became solely focused on video. Um, which was a, a an interesting transition, a little tough at times, but uh, I think I do better sometimes with the variety uh, of work that, um, you know, maybe a, a director of hockey ops does now. But um, yeah, that was a great, a great experience. And um, obviously working at the pro level, again, another jump in facilities and resources and, um, uh, but an absolute blast. 
Yeah, anytime you can get that NHL title, um, you know, right. it, it's kind of surreal. You know, everybody talks about wanting to work in the game and, and work at the NHL level, win the Stanley Cup, and, and just, you know, hard to believe it actually happened. But sure enough, it was the case, and you're able to go in there and be successful and, and kind of fight through that transition, which a lot of guests on the podcast have kind of talked about, um, you know, just especially going from college to the NHL, just the, the sheer amount of games that you play and, having to be, you know, so proficient with the video and everything, it's uh, it, it's an adjustment. And then I think just the fact that you talked about, um, you know, you sometimes like to have your hands in different areas. I think other guests have mentioned that as well, that, you know, sometimes when you have only one role, you might overthink it a little bit at times and uh, just trying to nitpick little things, whereas uh, it might even be beneficial to kind of just, uh, you know, let your instincts kind of take over in that regard. I, I, um, one of the things that I loved about the operations role was just the interaction with so many different people. Um, and uh, at the NHL level, you are so entrenched with the coaching staff, um, which is great, but uh, you kind of become very secluded. Um, and, uh, you know, like, I, I mean, I used to watch close to 300 games a year on my laptop and very rarely got to actually see hockey in person. Um so it was, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little different. Um, but again, intense and so fun to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, the NHL grind, it, it's just something you become accustomed to. And, uh, sure enough, after that, as you'd continue on your career, um, and you'd move into an assistant coaching role, uh, at St. Cloud state, maybe talk about the, the opportunity to get back into the college game and, uh, just walk us through your position with that organization. Yeah. Um, so after, after the wild, I ended up, um, was doing a lot of, uh, you know, private lessons and was, uh, uh, with the women's team, um, at St. Cloud state, I was, I was their volunteer assistant, um, which was a, a, a neat, a neat thing for me because I had spent a lot of time, um, as a, you know, as a goaltender and thinking about goaltending and then thinking about video. Um, and I was, uh, Jeff Keeson was the head coach there at the time. Um, and I had actually, uh, he was our assistant coach when I was at St. John's university. Um, so, uh, so I knew him from before and that was kind of how that whole connection started, but, um, but it was a blast. It was a great, it was great to be on the ice. Um, it was great to be, um, I, I was there, uh, you know, a couple of days a week, which was really nice. Um, it was a big change just, uh, to, to work with a women's team, um, was, uh, you know, just another transition that I'm, you know, so glad that I experienced and, and to be able to, um, to just to learn, um, you know, I, I think good coaches have the ability not only to understand the game, but to communicate um, to their players. And so you can know the game better than anybody, but if you can't communicate and, um, interact and get those players to understand your objectives, then you're, you're not going to be successful as a coach. So um, each of those different levels and each of those different um, teams and opportunities were all learning opportunities for me, um, which, you know, I think, I think the fact that I was open to that is part of the reason I was able to be involved in hockey for so long. It has to be a learning opportunity. Um, otherwise you get pigeonholed real quick. So, yeah, yeah, no, I, I think that's a great point. And, and you talk about just kind of moving around to different levels and getting to see the female game and, and things like that. And 
One of the things that wasn't uh, checked on your list was a position at the AHL level, having made the jump to the NHL, and your next position would come at the AHL level, moving in with the uh, St. John's Ice Caps. And maybe talk about um, that opportunity and then just the experience of, of working at that level and, and with the Ice Caps. Yeah, that was um, <clears throat> that was I'd been out of uh, working with teams for a few years at that point. Um, and it really missed the camaraderie and being in the locker room and going to battle with teams and um, the, the, the private coaching route is great. Um, and that's what I was doing the most of uh, at that time. And then just as an assistant coach there uh, with that, the, the women's team, uh, that was a volunteer position. Um, but I really, really missed uh the team atmosphere. And um, so I was fortunate enough to connect with the, uh, the St. John's ice caps um, who at the time were, were part of Winnipeg's uh, organization. And so again, guys like Craig Heisinger and, you know, uh, Mark Morrison and Keith and Cambridge and um, just uh, lucky enough to get to go to work with those guys. Um, And, you know, Winnipeg is an organization that really, um, does things the right way and um, doesn't cut corners in terms of, of resources or taking care of their players and um, just made it so great to be able to, to go in and have the tools that we needed. And, um, and then obviously to get to spend three years in St. John's uh, was, was a blast in and of itself. Um, Except for the time change that four and that, that half hour business really threw me, but no, um, yeah, the, and the you know the American Hockey League level is is a different beast too, and the the travel is different, um, a lot more of a grind um, than than the National League. Um, but again, uh, lots of games on the computer, um, and uh, lots of travel, and just th- it's amazing the mentality difference too um, of the players. You know, players are still hungry, uh, trying to make that that next level. Um, so it's just fun to see where, you know, to, to work with players that are at that different point of their progression. Um, but yeah, again, three years in, in St. John's and, and all, uh, really in a video capacity there too. So, yeah, uh, it seems like another great opportunity to, to experience something different. And you talk about that, that extra half an hour, um, bad for travel, even worse for scheduling interviews, but, um, uh, you know, able to to be successful, and that team, you know, had some success on the East, uh, Eastern Conference uh, Finals there one year, and then eventually the Calder Cup Final. And um, you know, after that position, uh, again, looking for different experiences, and it seems like you've been able to really try some very unique things. Uh, you made the decision to go and coach in Norway. You know, moving away from the direct video role and also adding that goalie coaching title. So. Um, walk us through the, the thought process behind that move and then the difference in coaching in a European market, uh, Norway. So sorry to, to jump ahead of you there, but I, um, I, between, uh, Newfoundland and Norway, I spent, um, two years abroad with uh, a group called hockey without borders that is based in Montreal and sends, uh, volunteer coaches to Eastern Europe mostly. Um, and so, uh, for me, I, I, really wanted that travel experience and to see some other places. Um, and so that was a great opportunity for me to do that and still be involved in hockey. Now it was, you know, working with youth hockey communities um, and more community outreach type things, but it was through 
my time in Serbia where I met, uh, there was a men's team from Norway that came down um, and brought a bunch of donated equipment down there. So, um, so that was kind of what fostered that, but the, uh, the opportunity in Norway um, was, I, I mean, probably one of the neatest of my career um, for me um, in that video role, you know, I wasn't on the ice, um, you know, in, in St. John's, I was on the ice a little bit, but not a lot. Um, and then to go to, to being a, a full on assistant coach and being on the ice every day. Um, and, uh, um, Kenneth Larson, uh, was our head coach and he was even great enough to, uh, one day a week, I would actually run practice. Um, so I, you know, got that experience too, of, of working, um, uh, you know, at a, at a, at a professional level, um, and then, you know, working with our goaltenders before practice. So, um, got to do a little of, of both of those things, which were, were nice stretches for me in terms of a new skill set and, um, new development. Um, and that, that again, that was a, a, a position not without its struggles, but, um, one of the things that I have always said and always been grateful for, um, you know, I love hockey and I'm so glad that I was able to work in hockey, uh, for so long and, and have it be a part of my life. But I'm also, um, the, the places that it took me to and the things that I have been able to see as a result of it, um, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll always, uh, appreciate what, what it's brought to my life. And, um, and that, that, that trip in Norway, uh, that was a, another one of those experiences that were, was great. And it was nice to be able to only be involved in live hockey. And I, I didn't do any video work there, which for me was the first time really, uh, since I'd been involved where that wasn't kind of the bulk of my experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I think anytime that you can, you know, get that different experience, like you said, with these different programs, but even just the position itself, uh, running practices when, you know, for you, like you said, primarily you were involved behind the scenes and watching the games through, through the screen, which is not easy, especially when you get up to the 300 number, like you said, um, you know, it's, it's very interesting just to, to hear how that experience went. And, and you talk about how you kind of moved into that role, thanks to, you know, hockey without borders and being able to travel. Uh, maybe let's just talk about that experience again. And, and uh, Siberia being one place that you went to just maybe talk about some of the other um, unique experiences it brought about and, um, shed some more light on the work done through that organization. Yeah. Ho- Hockey Without Borders is a great group. Um, like I said, they are based in Montreal um, and do a lot of outreach to developing the game and the youth game, especially um, in countries um, where it's just not as popular. So I spent a year in a town called Novi Sad in Serbia, um, which is, uh, you know, former Yugoslavia. So uh, down there with Croatia and Montenegro and um, Bosnia. Um, and those are kind of the bulk of the places, send coaches to Greece as well. Um, and uh, the communities there help support uh, a, a coach or two. Um, and you just go in and, and it's, you know, an opportunity to kind of bring some of the, like we're so fortunate in North America, um, Hockey Canada and USA Hockey do such a great job with youth development um, and, and uh, exposure to different coaching um, uh, resources here um, to be able to take those to those communities um, where they're just 
just as passionate and just as excited to get out on the ice as, as, as kids in, in North America. Um, but don't, you know, don't have as good of coaching, um, in, in some communities. So it, it's a great opportunity, um, to share the game and, you know, for, for guys that, um, you know, maybe you're are just done with the Canadian university or have aged out a junior, um, you know, and aren't sure what they're going to do to, to be able to still be involved. Uh, maybe they're interested in coaching, um, but to, to still be involved and to share the game and then to get, get the opportunity to spend that much time abroad um, and really get to see those communities um, is, is life-changing. Um, yeah. Um, anybody, anybody that's listened to this uh, would, would be well served to at least check them out and get a little more familiar with it with hockey without borders. I, I'm a big fan of the work that they do and still try and help out wherever I can. So. Yeah, no, it's, it's great to hear that opportunities like that are available and, um, while it is beneficial, like you said, to be able to see the world, I'm sure the the kids and, and the youth being involved on the other end, uh, you know, they're able to learn as well and, and kind of grow in that regard. And, you know, you've had so many different experiences now. And, and one of the things that I noticed in your career is you had a lot of experience on the pro side, but also on the amateur side. Uh, just from your from what you've seen and what you've experienced, you just talk about the major differences in coaching both groups and, um, and, and just some of the ways that you can look to, uh, you know, change it up to. Uh, with both yeah um you know i uh, i think that the biggest the biggest thing for me in terms of differences there um it's just the mentality um uh you know and on the amateur side there are so many other distractions um you know i mean uh, you know even even when when you look at like the college kids that uh still having to to work with uh, all their schoolwork and all of the NCAA bylaw, you know, compliance issues and what, you know, what can and can't be done. And, um, and then just at the pro level to just be able to focus on just hockey and, and, and go after it, um, all day, every day, um, is, is kind of that key thing. And from my perspective, um, I think just understanding like those kind of the parameters and the mindset, being different, you know, like the, the pro guys are, they get up and they go to the rink and they, you know, work out and skate and go home and study, you know, video and then go home to their families. Um, and then, at, at, you know, with, with the college kids or, um, you know, even the youth, it's just a, a sliver of their life. Um, so just being cognizant of that, I think is a, is a big difference. Um, the, thing that I find really interesting um, and one of the things why I, I uh, ha- haven't always been the best with younger kids. Um, but, you know, the, but as I mentioned earlier, a good coach is only as good as they can communicate. Uh, um, and the skill set to communicate to youth players is way different than the skill set that it takes to communicate to you know, collegiate aged or major junior or, uh, or pro players. Um, and that, that for me is probably something that I think a lot of us overlook is, um, you know, we all want to study the game and we all want to think the game and, and, um, but the, the, the teaching skills are, um, 
especially I think, especially I think for, you know, like I said, the major junior and the college kids um, and anything youth really youth level are probably skills, a skill set that's uh, neglected. Um, I think too often probably. No, a great explanation there. And it, you know, just goes to show that, uh, you know, you really, you really don't see the differences. I think a lot of times until you've gone to the other side and, and, and seen uh, the progression and, and even, um, you know, junior to minor hockey, like you said, some of the grassroots work you did, uh, you really can't see um, the major differences until you've been in the junior situation or, uh, you know, the other side of that is, is seeing where you can progress to, what they need to do to get to that next level. And then you can kind of work with them in that regard. And um, I think a lot of people maybe who haven't gone to both sides or haven't had that next level experience sometimes struggle to see what really is beneficial to a younger player or a junior player making the NHL or a college player looking to play pro. Um, so I, I think there's some great points that you made there. And, uh, you know, just looking at all your stops uh, here to date, um, you know, you've seen so many places in the world. You've met some amazing people, as you mentioned. Um, is there one moment that you kind of think about, like maybe like the moment like you made it to where you wanted to go or, or just something that really stands out in your career that you often think about uh, kind of looking at the places you've been? Um, you know, I, um, for me, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to, um, hard to narrow it down. Um, I've had some pretty wide ranging experiences. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think, I think about, um, the first playoff game in the national hockey league that I was at and, uh, the first home game and just the arena and that atmosphere and, you know, 17,000 fans that were just out of their mind during warmups, um, that type of energy and that type of excitement, um, were incredible for me. Um, very fortunate. Again, my, my dad was a sports writer. Um, and in Minnesota, we did a father son trip. Um, and so to be able to bring him along and have him, uh, back, Back in the in the late '60s, early '70s, the old Western Hockey League, there was a team called the Portland Buckaroos, and um, and he traveled with them. But they were traveling by bus a lot, and they were, uh, you, you know, so for him to be able to come and travel with us and to be able to share that experience with him um, was was one of the proudest of my career. Um, I would say that. Uh, when I was in India, um, we were up way North India, an area called Ladakh and Leh is the city that we were in. But one of the Leh is at like three, 3,500 meters of elevation. Um, and so you can't breathe, but, uh, you're just up in these gorgeous mountains skating around with these little kids that, um, don't speak a lick of English and are wearing, used gear that was donated from Canadian families uh, and sent over um, and just the sheer enjoyment of, of, of sharing the game with them in such a beautiful setting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm rambling on, but like just some of those things, the opportunity to share this beautiful game with different people in different communities and different set, you know, and to, 
kind of have that juxtaposition of NHL travel and NHL contracts and, and fans and all of that. And then to be able to have it at such a simple level, um, you know, playing outdoors without boards even um, and watching kids take off their skates and go back to school so that the other group of kids can put those same skates on and use them like just like, you know, I mean, it's, it sounds so crazy, but could you imagine going to your local rink in, in Newfoundland or PEI and, and seeing kids trade out their skates and go, you know, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's just unheard of. Um, but just to, yeah, just to be able to see how passionate those kids were about the game too. And, um, very fortunate to have seen kind of both sides of that. So. Yeah. I I think that's really a a definition of a full circle experience. You know, like you said, being with, uh, being able to bring your dad on a father son trip, which I think is always a, um, a unique thing that the NHL does and and they do the same thing with, with the moms in a lot of places. And, uh, you know, being able to, you know, travel not by bus this time, by plane and really taking that full NHL atmosphere and then go completely to the other side where you got kids sharing gear um, in, in India. You know, it, it really kind of shows, uh, you know, just, just the whole reason we're in the game, you know, the grassroots enjoyment, but also getting to enjoy the, the luxuries of the NHL. And I, th- I think that really is, a, you know, a positive thing to be able to experience for sure. You know, and I, I know uh, with your podcast, you talk to a lot of hockey operations folks, and so I'm sure that it gets reiterated. But, uh, you know, the 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 guys that work at the major junior level or the NCAA even and, and up, like, it, it really becomes a lifestyle. And it's not, you know, I think if, if people out there are listening to this uh, with aspirations of getting into it, like, it's... Um, you know, you're, it's great. Um, but it's just a full time in season. Um, and I, I don't like the word grind because it's, it sounds negative. Um, but it, it, it can become a business and, um, a career and the way you make your, your living. And, and I think that, that at times that can help lead you to forget just like it's it's fun to have that raw just enthusiasm and excitement about because hockey is such a great game and it's you know i mean not telling you anything you don't know there but um but sometimes it's nice to just be able to enjoy it for all the beautiful things that it is without worrying about if you're going to lose your job or you know, uh, or having to win a playoff game or, you know, like it's, it was a nice reminder just to really bring back the joy of hockey. For yeah. Me. So. yeah. It really bring, brings you back to the reason you're involved in the first place and uh, you know, just a surreal experience. And I always enjoy doing the grassroots work uh, wherever possible. And yeah, uh, you know, you think when you were in the grassroots level and all the way up to the, you know, the highest level of the playoffs of the NHL and, uh, I'm sure you've met a lot of great people along the way and had a lot of people give you great advice. So um, maybe just going over uh, the places you've been, who are some of the key mentors who helped guide you throughout your career and just collectively, what are some of the things that they taught you that you used along the way? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I probably first and, and foremost on that list for me is a gentleman by the name of Doug Cole. Um, Doug was a, 
he was a goalie coach uh, for me when I like I met early, early on. And, uh, you know, when I was still in high school going to camps um, and Doug uh, was very involved in hockey, um, has been in the Vancouver area for a long time and um, worked actually with a, one of the video companies. And um, he was just always a great mentor um, in terms of, uh, you know, always, always answered his phone, always willing to help. Um, Andy Slaggart at, at Notre Dame was incredible. Um, a great, a great guy, a great teacher. Um, and, uh, so the, those two are right off the top of my head, but you know, uh, Brian Renfrew at, at Michigan state, um, he was at Michigan state when I was there. Now he's a, a, a scout with Winnipeg. Um, uh, getting to work with Jacques Lemaire, um, who is one of the most incredible teachers. Um, take cocky aside, take, I, I, I will rave about that man's ability to just communicate and help you understand what he's thinking and, and what his vision is. And, um, uh, as great a hockey guy as he is, like he's, he's an amazing teacher. Um, Craig Heisinger, uh, in Winnipeg, um, you know, another guy that um, wish I could have spent more time with. He was uh, the assistant general manager in Winnipeg, but um, but you know, I think one of the things that that all of those guys have kind of communicated was just work ethic um, and desire to learn. But then, uh, in addition to that, just they. I think that they would all say that you, you just never know where that next opportunity is going to come from. And so um, just showing up and putting your best foot forward because um, you never know who it's a small, the hockey world is a small, small world Definitely. and, and word travels fast um, both positively and, and negatively, I think. So, um, that, that I think for me was kind of the big lesson that, that especially, uh, you know, that I heard from, from some of those guys, but, um, and then just, like I said, the, the desire to learn, continue learning. And, you know, I, obviously with the video equipment, like for me, part of the reason that I was able to be successful is because I had, had done some research and learn about different systems and, um, through trying to learn to be better was how I sort of developed my network. Um, you know, that was kind of part of how I got introduced to the guys at, at Michigan state. And then definitely a big part of how I got introduced to the guys at, at, uh, at Minnesota. So. Yeah, no, I, I think, um, it seems like you had a great list of people and, and every position along the way seems like you had, uh, you know, people who were willing to help. And, and I think, um, again, that's that's what makes this game great, as I say to a lot of people when they answer that question, just because there's people uh, at all walks of life and all different types of experiences, but you can learn from each and every one of them. And, uh, you know, now having gone through the path yourself and, and been successful in the game, uh, if someone's maybe looking to enter the world of video coaching or just looking to get involved in the game, what's one final piece of advice that you would give them in hopes that they would be successful? I think one piece of advice would be to decide what it is, whether it's coaching goaltenders or video coaching, 
um, and and do everything you can just to immerse yourself in that um, in that skill set and talk to people and ask questions and learn um, and reach out to folks. Reach out to me. Reach out to you know. I mean, the the people involved in hockey are are really there's a lot of really good people out there and a lot of them are willing to help you learn so um i think you know i I think finding a focus and sticking with it and i you know there are times where i um i would say that going to the national hockey league may not have i'm so i'm grateful i did it um i may have been better suited to stay and and work more in an operations role and that would have totally changed my trajectory. Um, but I think, I think if you're, if you want to be in a great assistant coach or you want to be a great video coach, then finding an opportunity to do that and working on that regardless, like not, it doesn't make sense to go to the next level if it's going to take you away from what you're passionate about and what you're drawn to. Um, so that, I guess that would be, yeah, no, I think that's great advice. And I, uh, you see, um, I think sometimes in whether it's in, in sports or hockey or other careers, people kind of uh, climb the ladder and, and move away from what they're passionate in. And I think if you want to get the full experience, especially from the game of hockey, you want to focus in on that thing. And while there are changes along the way, maybe you want to try something new. It's, uh, it's important not to compromise either. So I think that's great advice, Ian. And uh, you know, with that, I, I just want to thank you again for, for taking some time today to join me on the podcast. Uh, you know, there's a, a bit of a time zone difference here between us. But I again, I appreciate you taking some time out of your day. And uh, hopefully things continue to go well for you. And I wish you all the best moving forward. Thanks so much, Ryan. It was a pleasure talking with you. Um, yeah. And I, uh, I appreciate the opportunity and hope that uh, there's some value in it for the folks that are listening. Yeah, I definitely think there's a lot to learn here, and I'm sure you'll get some follow-up conversation as a result. But thank you again, and take care. Absolutely. Take care, Ryan. Thanks. One thing that fans within the game, hockey minds, and players can agree upon is that when done responsibly, there's nothing better at the end of the day than a cold beer that you enjoy for both its taste and its aroma. And this segment of the Hockey Minds podcast is brought to you by Kitty Vitty Brewery. You can visit their tap room now open seven days a week and their new retail location in St. John's, Newfoundland at 16 Harborview Avenue. If you're one of those people who are maybe looking for some more entertainment, somewhere to sit with friends, you can definitely check out their original location in Kitty Vitty, Newfoundland. Join the Kitty Vitty Craft Club at kittyvittybrewery.ca and give them a follow on social media to keep up to date on the latest brew news. If you're not from Newfoundland and not from the East Coast and you want to get involved, definitely follow them on social media and learn more about their beer, which is great for a casual beer drinking fan and also the beer enthusiasts. And stay tuned, because who knows, maybe they'll find their way to get their beer to a location near you. Check out Kitty Vitty Brewery today for more information on their beer, clothing, and all things Kitty Vitty Brewery. I'd like to thank Ian for coming on the podcast and sharing his insight and experiences. Ian is another guest to have a connection to my hometown, so for sharing that position in particular, I'd like to again thank him. 
If you would like to get in touch with Ian to discuss his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly, or you can contact HockeyMindsPodcast at Outlook.com, and I can help make that connection for you. Next on the podcast, I'll be joined by Denny Fujar, scout with the Los Angeles Kings. Denny is actually soon entering retirement from the game, but has a lot of great knowledge from his years with the Kings and more, so be sure to listen in on Sunday for that release. Once again, thank you everyone for supporting the podcast, and be sure to give us your thoughts and opinions on our various social media platforms. As always, stay safe and all the best.